Thanks, John. I don't know what to do with you. A welcome like that. <laughs> We're not too distressed by, by showing a bit of leg. You know, I thought, you've been watching the football, you know, so you, you, you've seen the rest now, you've got the best, you know, so... <laughs> Football has been described as, as 22 people who desperately need rest watched by 10,000 people who desperately need exercise. <laughs> that's, that's my analysis and that's uh, as much as I know. But uh, this is the next in a series. We're doing a series, a If We uh, series. We're looking at tonight. It's If We Mature, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. So verses 7 to 16 and it's got a subtitle... United live. We're not going to read them yet, um, but uh, we'll look at them in a, in a bit. But um, when, when you were growing up, did your mum used to set you grow up? Anybody, anybody say that to you? <laughs> that, your mum used to sometimes say grow up a bit. As I've got older, and she no longer says that to me, it's now my wife that says it to me. You know. <laughs> We're on the marriage course, you know, if anybody's on a marriage course, it's been, been brilliant. Unfortunately, I've got to confess, you know, there's some, sometimes my wife, Carla, she don't understand me. You know, at home, I've got, I've got, some, got some collectible figures at home. You know, the Doctor Who, you know, I'm only allowed two because we've not got a, bit, a lot of space. So we've got, got a Dalek on one side of the room, I've got a TARDIS on the other. But she calls them toys, she thinks they're toys. They're not toys, they're collectible figures. I also like good literature. Anybody like good literature? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got, got in here, in this bag, some, some of the classic literature. This is, this is a classic. Batman the Killing Joke. It's... What, Rachel, Rachel, what does this say on the, on the back of here? What does it say? Can you read? Is it, is it, is it too dark? It says it's a graphic novel, right? So you can tell that to Carlis afterwards because she, when I use the term graphic novel, she laughs and she says it's a comic. <laughs> not a comic. comic. The term comic book might be acceptable, you know, but a comic, no, it's not. It's a graphic novel. It's, it's classic, classic literature, that. She thinks, she thinks I need to grow because I, I read comics, but... As we grow older, we all grow older, and there's not a lot we can do about it. You know, as the days and the, the weeks and the months and the years pass by, you know, we get older. We, we get uh, older by each passing day, and we can't do anything about that. We might try and um, stop the aging process. We might try and uh, put cream on to, to take away the wrinkles. We might try and dye his hair. Uh, there might be things what go south that we try and uh, people have things to, you know... <laughs> work done on them to, to make it go the other way, you know, but it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much you try and do something about it, then, you know, we're getting older, no matter how much you cover it up, that's nothing you can do about it. The only uh, thing that you can do to stop that is, is, is when you die, so, you know, so if that's the only option. However, although growing older is, is inevitable, grow, you know, growing up and maturing that's not quite so inevitable. 
Sometimes uh, we can grow older but not mature. And we can do that as Christians. As Christians, we're called to mature. We're called to spiritual maturity. And unlike physical growth, growth spiritual maturity is, is not, it's not inevitable. We need to work at it. We need to uh, do something about it. In letter to the Hebrews, the writer uh, gets a bit exasperated because he is is writing to to the church, a church, a Hebrew church, and it's it's a letter that uh, it's to to a group of developing Christians, and and he's exasperated because he says to them, he says you should be further along by now, you should be teaching other people. He says, but I'm having to go over the same old ground again and again and again, basically saying I'm having to to you know to repeat myself again and again. When I was at school, sometimes a teacher would repeat herself a number of times, and then she'd say, I'm not going to say this again. And I used to think, good, you know, I'm, I'm fed up of hearing it, you know. So, But, but the, writer, the writer of the Hebrews is saying to them, saying, you should be further along than you are. He said, but I'm going over the same old ground. As Christians, we, we should be mature and we should... Uh, grow and we should move on and we shouldn't go over the same old ground again and again. In letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul gives some similar words. We're going to read from the Ephesians now. I can't read that up there, so I'll, I'll try. And I can hardly read this either. So. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's, I think so. good. Good call, I'll read that one, yeah. So Ephesians 4, we're going to read from 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here, Paul is, is writing uh, to this church. It's, it's a letter by one of the, one of the leaders of, of the early church, uh, Paul, and he writes to them, and he's encouraging them to, uh, to grow up, and it, they do that by being mature, by growing together, by um, encouraging one another and by helping one another. And it's, it's a body. He paints that picture of a body. In verse 14, Paul tells his readers that as Christians, we shouldn't remain as children. It's that strange thing that happens, isn't there, when, when people see uh, a, a child or a baby, and they've not seen them for a week or two, or if they're a baby, or maybe even months or years, and they look at them and they say, why, haven't they grown? Well, yeah, because that's what they do, that's what babies do, you know. It's as though we, we look at them and we expect them not to have grown, you know. We've not seen somebody for ten years, and they've, you know, the last time they were a baby, and now they're ten years old, like, wow, you've grown, haven't you? Last time you were... You were in nappies, I was changing your nappy and you were puking up all over, you know. And, you know, you, you, don't, you don't expect that uh, to be the same case. 
Uh, they start that again when they start getting to teenagers, when they start going out, they start the, the puking up again, you know, but uh, that's not for a while. But, um, but we act as though we, we don't uh, think that, uh, that they're going to grow up. But they do, people grow and people get older. If, if after 10 years' time and there's still a baby, then something wrong, you'd, you'd wonder what had happened. But we are encouraged in the reading not to be spiritual babies tossed to and fro, not knowing what we believe. People were taken in by anything that we hear. God has put us in fellowship with other believers. He's put us together as, as a fellowship um, with many different people. We've got many um, different personalities and, and, and likes, and uh, we're, just, we're just all sorts of different people. But we need to spend time with other Christians on a Sunday, midweek, whether it's in connect group, whether it's in um, just uh, socializing with one another, going out for coffee, CVM, creative group, whatever it is, we, we, we're encouraged to spend time with one another that we might grow and that we might encourage one another and that we might spur one another on. The church is a body made up of, of many parts. And each one of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus have, have a part to play in that. If you're, in the, if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, then you're a part of that body, whatever that body is. We're not called to be alone. I'm old enough to remember on Saturday mornings, who remembers the Lone Ranger? Yeah. Uh, now, I just hasten to add that when, I, when it was on when I was a young, there were repeats. I weren't around for the first time it was on. I'm not that old, but... It was actually remade it in a few years ago with Johnny Depp as a film. I think it was a bit of a flop, but um, the, the Lone Ranger, even he wasn't alone. He didn't go by his name because he had Tonto with him, you know. And uh, so even he knew he, he, he couldn't be alone because he needed someone else. And we're not called to be people who are alone and who don't uh, mix with others, other Christians. Sometimes we, we come across people who are fed up with church. Sometimes we can all get fed up with church, can't we? If, we, if we're honest. Oh, everybody's being quiet now because they're pretending to be super spiritual, aren't you? You know, you say, you know well, we don't believe you. you know, sometimes we can get fed up. But we're not to have that attitude and to think, well, I don't need to be in church. I can, I can walk away from it because we're called to be uh, together as, as, as believers. The thing is, some people will think, and they say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And there's actually, uh, like all lies, there's, there's some truth in it. And there's quite a lot of truth in that. Because we think, well, I don't need to go to, to church. Well, the truth is, coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. Coming to church, you can come to every service, every time it's open. You, you can be there every time. But if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, then that's not enough. You need to know Jesus as your saviour. So coming to church in itself does not make us a Christian. So there is truth in that. And so some people might take that truth and they think, well, if that's the case, I don't need to be in church then. And that's also untrue. If we decide to stop coming to church, if, if I suddenly decide I'm not going to come anymore, I suddenly won't stop being a Christian. But what will happen is that I will become unhealthy and my Christian life will not be the, the life that it should be. So... Um, so some people take this truth and they take it too far. The fact that we don't, uh, coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. But it does make us unhealthy if we don't come. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a film that came out. It was a documentary film. 
It's called Supersize Me. Does anybody remember it? Yeah. And, the, and the, the basis of, of this uh, documentary was a guy who made it. He was out to prove that McDonald's wasn't the most healthy meal that you could have. And so what he decided to do for, for one month, he set himself a challenge that he could only eat McDonald's meals for one, for one month. He had to have three meals a day, uh, and he had to have all of them had to be from the McDonald's menu. And he had to work through the whole menu at least once. And it was in order to prove that McDonald's wasn't a very healthy thing. Well, surprise, surprise, when he got to the end of the, of the, of the, uh, the month or whatever, however long it was, and he was really unhealthy, it had had a really bad impact on his health. And uh, it, it, it weren't in a very good state at all. But, you know, I don't need to eat McDonald's for every day for a month for all my meals to know that it's, it's not going to do, do me the best uh, thing in the world. It's, you know, it's not the most healthy of meals. You know, but uh, it's not bad having it now and then. But if you have it all the time, it's not going to help you. And so it's, it's basically, it was stating the obvious, weren't it? You know, he did this experiment. I could have told him that. You know, if he'd have come to me, I'd have saved him a lot of time, a lot of trouble. <laughs> but if we keep away from fellowship with other believers, then what will happen is it will become unhealthy. And it might not notice straight away. But the longer we are away from others, the longer we are away from each other, then the more unhealthy we will become. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, then you've, you've met another Christian who has let you down. And if that's not happened to you yet, then brace yourself, because it will happen sooner or later. And the thing is, we, we, we put people on pedestals, don't we? We lift them up and we think, they're brilliant, they're a brilliant worship leader, a brilliant speaker, whatever they are, we think they're amazing. And then something happens and we see behind, the, and we see the real person behind. I think, well, if that's, if that's what you know, Christians are like, I'm, you know, I'll walk away. Because we lift people on pedestals and it's impossible to keep up to that because all of us are fallible people. And so it's, it's important that we don't lift people on pedestals in that way and that we don't elevate them beyond what, what we should do. Because we're all fallible people. We all get it wrong and we all fail. Christ loves a church. It's his bride. Jesus calls it his church, the bride, his bride, the bride of Christ. So if we say that we love Jesus but we don't, we don't love his church, then we've got a bit of a problem because we set ourselves up against Jesus when we do that. Suppose I say, uh, you always get picked on Chris because you're on the front row, so it's, you know, it's got to be you. And suppose I say to Chris, I'd like to arrange to, to have you around for a meal one, one time. But I say, I'm sorry, but if you, if you don't mind just leaving Rachel at home because I don't really get on with Rachel, you know. So, you know, I just want, just want you, but you're all right, Chris, coming, but, you know, I just, I just don't, get, don't get on with you. Hopefully, hopefully he'll set well. If, that, if that's the case, you know, if, if you're talking about that about my wife, then I don't want to come. You know, hopefully that'll be your reaction, Chris, you know. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> so hopefully he'll say, you know, well, no, if that's your attitude towards, towards my wife, then no, I'm not, I'm not going to come. And when we, when we talk about uh, the, the bride of Christ in, in like that, in a, in a, a way that's, 
Um, we, we don't want to be associated, and Jesus is not pleased because it's his bride, it's his wife. So we need to mature, we need to take our place in, in the fellowship. As we said, the church is the body of Christ. It talks about it being the body of Christ, it talks another picture being the, uh, the bride of Christ, but it, it speaks about the church being the body of Christ in this uh, passage. It's made up of many members, each have got a different roles to play. Each person has not got the same roles to play. That'd be, you know, really, it wouldn't be very helpful at all if everybody had the same role, if everybody had the same gift, would it? But we've all got different parts to play, different roles to play. And maturity is something that we need to seek in, in that body, something that we need to uh, endeavour to, to grow and to, to move on in. Maturity and, and fellowship with others go hand in hand with each other. We need to realise that to grow and to mature, we need one another. Now, I often mention the, these verses in Hebrew because they're really important verses, and we, we often come across them in in church uh, many times. Because I think the reason why they keep coming up is because they're really important. When the writer says, "Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds." Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Are we seeking to encourage one another? Because if, if we're missing, if we're not here, and if we're not encouraging one another, then somebody else is missing out if we are not there. And so we're not fulfilling our role as, as the bride of Christ. Maybe you think that you don't have a, a gift to bless the church, but then. Some people sometimes think that. They think, well, I've not got a gift to, uh, you know, to, to offer. Well, if that's the case, I come to me afterwards because I want to meet the, the only person who, who, uh, who God has never, who's not gifted because everybody has been gifted. You might not necessarily know what, what your gifting is at, uh, at this time, but just come along, just be yourself and be there and, and your gifting will come out. Um, chances are people notice a gifting in you that, that you don't necessarily know about if, if, if you don't know what it is because people often see it better than we do ourselves but what is united living united living there's a number of things what it what it can mean first thing it it, it doesn't mean is that we're all the same we're not all the same we, these verses in 1 corinthians 12 18 to 20 say but in fact god has placed the parts in the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Each of us have got a body. We might not necessarily like the way it looks. We might have aches, we might have pains, but we've got a, a body. And each, uh, we've got things that do, do different things. What if our body were just an eye? If that's all we had? Can you imagine rolling down the street, a, a big eye rolling down the street? What would it do when it got to McDonald's and, you know, how could it eat? You wouldn't be able to eat anything. <laughs> it, came, it came into cheer, you wouldn't be able to talk to you. You know, just a great big eye, you know. And, and then if, uh, if you got something in the eye, then, well, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> but well, you know, it'd, it'd be useless, wouldn't it, if you, just, if you were just a great big eye, just rolling about... <laughs> But we're not. We've got different parts of the body, so we need our eyes. So if, if, if our eyes don't work, then it, it causes problems, doesn't it? But yet, we don't need a whole body to be an eye. We need as arms, as legs, 
nose, mouth, all the parts of the body have got an important part to play. And so, as members of the body of Christ, we are to live in unity. But that doesn't mean that we're all to be the same. We're not to be uh, uniform, everybody being the same, but we're to be united. We need to accept who we are and not desire to be someone else. Do you ever act like that? Do you ever desire to be someone else? You know what? I will never be at front leading the worship. You know, that's not because I think it's, it's not an important job. It's because you wouldn't appreciate it if I started leading the singing. <laughs> you'd, uh, you'd soon turn around. So united living doesn't mean that we're all the same. But one thing it does mean is that we need to love one another. It says in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Love is, is, a, is a key. And this is what it says. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. So loving one another is key to being united. And loving one another doesn't necessarily mean that we, we like everything that, that somebody does. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that somebody does. Somebody might be wrong. We might be wrong. We might have different ways of looking at things. But yet we still need to love one another because we're called to love one another as the body of Christ. We, and that is part of being united, united living. So we need to remember, it doesn't mean that we're all the same, but it does mean that loving one another is key and it's, it's really important to, to love one another. And I think we do well in loving one another in, in this fellowship. That's, that's something we do well. And uh, that's, that's really good. But let's continue on it. Let's urge one another to continue with that. Not, let's not get complacent and think that we've reached that goal, but we to keep on aiming for that and, and achieving that. And then also, if the band wants to make the way back, please, also, united living means that we need to forgive one another. It says these words in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So here, the Apostle Paul, it's further on in that passage from what we read, and he's saying it's really important that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we're angry, when we're bitter, and when we refuse to forgive one another, then that grieves the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is hindered in doing the work that he wants to do in our lives what happens when we, when we do that when we, when we fail to forgive when we hold grudges and when we hold on to bitterness it's like a dam what builds up inside us the Holy Spirit is supposed to flow through us like, like streams of living water but when we hold on to unforgiveness when we hold on to bitterness and we, we, we stop the Spirit flowing through us and we stop his passage through us and by doing that, then he cannot do the work that he wants to do. He can't use us 
as he wants to do. It doesn't mean that we, we stop being Christians. It doesn't mean that um, God washes his hands of us. But it means that we stop being as useful as we should be when we're angry and when we're bitter. It grieves the Holy Spirit. People will upset us sooner or later. They'll offend us. And they may well be wrong. They may be in the wrong. We may be in the wrong. It's, it's not really important, but what is important is that we, we don't hold on to the things that upset us and that um, cause us to fall out. The New Testament, the, the Bible, has people falling out, you know, fall out. They have arguments and they get it wrong, but through it all, they forgive and they, they restore it in fellowship. And so people will upset us, they will offend us, they will get things wrong, we will get things wrong, and we will upset and we will offend other people as well. But the important thing is to, when that happens, to put it right, to sort it out. So determine when someone does that, when someone upsets us, that will not grieve the Holy Spirit, will not stop the Spirit's work in our lives. So finally, as Christians, strength comes from unity, being united to one another, not being the same as one another, not being everybody being uniform and looking alike and, and sounding alike and doing the same thing and liking the same thing, but being united. That's loving one another despite the differences, forgiving one another. So strength comes from being united. Maturity comes from being united as a fellowship. And so we are called to, to mature and to grow and to encourage one another to do that as well. It's not about ourselves, just ourselves. It's about one another, encouraging each other, bringing out the best in one another. When you see something in somebody else, just encourage them that that is something that they are good at, that they, uh, that they can do, and that is their gifting. So do we need to grow up? Let's make sure that we grow into unity and into love as the body of Christ, because that is how we will be a powerful witness for him by being united when people see that we are united jesus says uh, people will, will see that you're my disciples when they see your loved one for another so let's determine that that is the way we're going to be
I am not abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrender all I am.